The best time to get a great deal on a Jeep SUV is now during the Summer of Jeep event. Visit Jeep.com or your local Jeep brand dealer to find the perfect Jeep SUV for you. Hurry in and make this the Summer of Jeep. Right now during the Summer of Jeep, purchase and get 10% below MSRP on the 2023 Jeep Compass Limited 4x4 or Renegade Latitude 4x4. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Contact dealer for details. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 731-23. Jeep is a registered trademark. This week's episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers could not do without you. Um, good show today. A lot happened. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, you can go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today. Support us. Join us. Please. A lot of changes coming. A ton. Hopefully I'll see some of you on Thursday. I'll be the guy in the outfit that looks like he made a Church of Kako. Okay, see you guys then. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, as always, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan of the Bushwick Breakaway. Greg, say hello. Since we don't have much to talk about this week, I'm going to hit you with a question right off the bat. Really not a lot going on. Not a ton. Mm-mm. What is the longest you've gone in between haircuts when your intention wasn't to grow out your hair? Oh, I was really like, bad like, for how a often, long time, How often though. do you get, basically, how often do you get haircuts? There was, now I'm like every month and a half, but there was times where I was like every seven months and I was very gross. Yeah. It's been too long since I've had a haircut. Does your hair, like, what is your hair? Can I ask the question? Yeah. Uh, Do you fro? Uh, mm, not really. Okay. I'm just curious. I don't actually know how this works for you. I've never really seen you with long hair. It gets, I don't know. It just gets out of control and... Here's the thing. I don't want to get haircuts on the weekend because a haircut kind of feels like you're working, right? So I'm not interested in that. It depends on the I, barber. I, like, if the guy's really getting into you, like, how's life? What's going on with work? Like, don't talk to me. Just oh, I just go to, like, Supercuts. <laughs> oh, and that's a the thing I love about The thing I – they're not our sponsor this week. But the thing I love about Supercuts <laughs> is those women, they just want you in and out. Yeah. So they don't, they don't, want, they don't care about your life. They don't want to know about your life. They just want to cut your hair. And then they, they want to be like, is that good? I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's 15 great. minutes goes by, I'm out the door. Easy enough. Supercuts. Great. Boosters Breakaway. Season-long sponsor. Um, What's the other? Isn't there like a – didn't somebody try to open up a barbershop that was about sports? I think I heard a lot of oh, well, there There's another one called Sports Clips. Yeah, uh, also season-long Here, sponsor. Here's here's why I don't like Sports Clips, and I don't recommend it to anyone. Okay. The one, at least the ones in Albany, you have to make an appointment appointment before you go. I don't want to do that. Why would I make an appointment to watch sports while getting my hair cut? I don't know. It's weird. It's they just booked like booked up. Like, yo, gotta I, watch I the game. You. How many? That's my thing. How many people are going to? How many people every day are like, goddamn? You know, it'd be great if I could watch Stephen A. Smith as somebody is cutting my hair. Those, I, I want to make sure I, that I, I get the second half hour <laughs> of first take. When I get to sports clips, feel so very gotta, similar about Buffalo Wild event. Wings in this situation. But I, I, we digress. Gregory, welcome to the number one New York Rangers podcast, where we cover all things New York Rangers and New York Mets. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week. There has been a lot. Well, first of all, congratulations, fifty-three home runs, Pete Alonso. And now let's get to the Rangers. Um, a lot of news today, like almost too much. A, little, a, a smidge, a smidge, a smidge. 
uh, it all came out of nowhere. Uh, I guess we'll start off with what I would consider the biggest news. Capocacos 24, baby. <laughs> We're back. No John Franco. All right, now let's get to the actual um, news, I guess. Unless you have a Ryan, comment. did you that. know I when did. John Franco was playing AAA baseball? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no way. Is that true? Can you get a picture? No, it's not okay, true. Okay. Was... I'm going to research it. <laughs> it might be true. No, he wore, he wore, I know he wore 31 for the Reds, so okay. I think you might be safe. Let's uh, let's talk about the, 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 the youngins, the kids getting sent down to the AHL, because I feel like this will be the topic or the most topic of most talked about topic of controversy in this week's news range of the New York Rangers. And that is uh, Philip Heedle and Vitaly Krastoff are getting sent down to the AHL. Um, and a little bit of a surprise we kind of talked about on this podcast with Vince a few weeks back. Or was it last week? Wow, it's been... It, it was, was last week. It was last week that Krastoff might be on the chopping block to get sent down to the AHL. And I was kind of in denial. And you... We're not. You were pushing that narrative no. of, of saying it's probably uh, likely to happen. Not pushing the narrative. You just read yeah, I wasn't, I, Pushing the narrative makes it sound like I wanted him to go to Hartford, yes, and I didn't. That's but correct. It, with Kravtsov, it just, it, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game, and it made the most sense because the Rangers aren't going to get rid of Strom or Nemestikov for free. It would, they weren't going to not include Brendan Lemieux in the lineup. So it really, it really came down to what winger – was Kravtsov going to make this team over? And it 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 didn't feel like there was a winger available. And as we see now, there wasn't. There The difference is, and we'll, we'll get the Heedle because I think that's the more pressing debate point. With Kravtsov, it, people need to realize that when, you, when you're going down to Hartford, it's not for a year, right? It would be shocking if Kravtsov was in Hartford for even, I, I would put the over-under at, 37 and a half games in Hartford. You think it's probably. that much? Really? I, I think it could be. I The Rangers definitely need to clear out a winger, right? At, at minimum one. And I, I don't, we as we've seen before, it, NHL teams really don't do their shopping until you get close to the trade deadline. It might come to a point where an injury happens before then, or maybe a team buys early on someone a la in the form of Ryan Spooner last year. But I, it, it would be, it would be a big shock if Nemestikov, Strom, Kreider were dealt before February. So yeah, I, I, I think, I think 37 and a half is a good number for Kravtsov. I, I think he'd see somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 games in Hartford this year, at least. Hmm. I, and I, I don't think I, that's I guess I think thing. that's high. And maybe it's because I'm sort of expecting someone to get banged up. Like, one of these one of these wingers will get hurt eventually. That's just the way hockey is. I get well. What if it's McKeg or or Fast on the fourth line? I I, I guess they wouldn't call up Kravtsov then, right? That wouldn't be the case. They want them to pay. Well, Quinn's, play in the top, Quinn's top words nine. today. Um, our friend, our good friend, Colin Stevenson, had a really good quote. Our second from... favorite beat writer. <laughs> <laughs> what is he second? Well, after what so Vince who's... after what Vince pulled today, after saying that he. Talked to Greg McKegg, and Greg McKegg said he listened to Bush Breakaway all the time. Then just just said, "Just kidding, I've moved Vince down." No, Vince is like fifth now. Because of that. <laughs> um, no, but so Colin had a great quote from Quinn, basically saying Krasov and Hedl were fighting for top nine spots, and if they didn't get a top nine spot, they were going to Hartford, which means two things. One, it means that Quinn understands while there is a benefit to getting kids sometime in the NHL it is more important to get Kravtsov and Heedle top line minutes in Hartford than it is to get 
10 minutes a night on the Rangers fourth line. And two, it means that Quinn understands the development process with these guys too. Quinn wasn't going to make the case to Davidson, to Gorton. He wasn't going to say, look, I think these kids should be on my fourth line. 10 minutes a night will be just as good as 20 minutes a night in Hartford. He understood that there's a developmental process that both these kids have to go through still. So the fact that they were competing for top nine jobs, Kravtsov, you can make an argument, but again, I just don't know which winger you're bumping down to give Kravtsov top nine minutes. And then, I mean, to put it lightly, Filipino did not play well in training camp. I think that was putting it <laughs> extremely nicely by you, Greg, and I want to commend you for being so nice to Filipino because... I, I, I try. I really just do try. But Hedl, again, uh, a star child of this podcast last year, a player who came out of the box hot, but also kind of teetered off as the season went and just didn't... They wanted you to earn your spot this preseason. It was it was preached. It was very clear. David Quinn came out before the last game and was like, spots are on the line tonight. Heel didn't go up to the challenge, and now he's down in the AHL, which is fine. He's going to cook down there. He's probably going to be a monster on the first line in the AHL, I hope at least. And he'll be playing well, with it would, Kravtsov, it would be so. It would be concerning. It would be concerning if him and Kravtsov weren't dominating the AHL maybe not dominating but playing better than most above average in the AHL especially considering they're going to be together but that it really comes down to philosophy right I think you and I are kind of of the same mindset where we both would have simply started the season with Heedle and then react to that regular season performance if he's struggling in the Rangers first five ten games and we're not seeing, and Quinn doesn't see marked improvement, then you send him down. So it's, that's, that, that's where I would have done. I, I can't really argue with the Quinn strategy of let's get him playing a certain role, a fixed role, a role that'll be consistent on a nightly basis. And if it's not in New York, fine. I, I can't, I really can't as, as shocking as it was to see Hedo go down. And it was shocking because he was the guy we basically assumed was going to be the Rangers' number two center. We've talked about it at nauseum on this podcast at different times throughout the offseason. We even, I think at the live show, we said which Ranger player could benefit the most from the Rangers' improvements. We said Philip Hedl because there was no way he wasn't going to be playing with higher caliber players than he was a year ago. At the same time, as much as I would have just loved to have He'll start the year between Kreider and, Kreider and Kako. Leah Anderson outplayed him, right? There's, there's oh, hands no question down. Leah's like was, you know, it's the preseason, so what can you really count? And I'm very excited to watch Leah's play, but he earned his spot. I mean, they even came out and said like Leah's is the person that rose his stock the most this preseason, and that's yeah. because he worked on his game off off season. I don't know if you noticed, but he looks a lot um, more muscular, I guess. Uh, looks more of a man than he, that he did last year. He legitimately is. It's not a joke, though. And uh, <laughs> back to Heedle for one second. One thing I don't want to happen with Heedle, and that happened in at least one preseason game, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is that he went to wing, and I want Heedle to be a center. I don't want to. I don't want to find him a wing spot. So I, I'd, I'd rather him develop down in the AHL if that's the case, where you're going to develop his center game, because that's where he's going to have the most value in the NHL, and that's where I need him to play. I don't need him somewhere else. But I guess this also brings us to Howden, right? And his performance. Because Howden 
Uh, well, I mean, hasn't really impressed either, and yet they kept Howden over Heedl in this case? Because that, that was a competition, right? Like, that's not a fourth-line competition. Um, not necessarily. I think the Rangers are a lot more comfortable playing Howden in a bottom-six role than they are Heedle. I Okay, I guess... I guess because Howden's going to be the extra skater some nights will, will probably be the case. Um, I don't know about that. I think it. I think the Rangers are pretty set. I think it's the extra skater is going to be between our, our, our friend Greg McKegg and our not-so-friend uh, Michael spells his name like an idiot Haley. Uh, well, Howden will always be like centering the fourth line, and McKegg might center the fourth line once or twice. But I mean, McKegg, McKegg has the ability to center the fourth line. I just don't think he will. I think McKegg has all the outed. abilities, Gregory. This is true. Come on, I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's not capable. Right. Uh, Howden, Howden's interesting, and I'm sure we're going to talk with Shayna coming up in a little bit of about Howden. Yes, because it it does feel like, and we've said this a couple times last year. It feels like Brett Howden plays by different rules. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I necessarily have the statistical evidence to back it up. But it, it, it just it feels like Brett Howden has been able to earn more while not accomplishing more than the likes of Anderson and Heedle. You know, and, this is exactly how I feel, right? Where Howden is. Yeah, well, we agree. We agree here. Yeah, he we just, agree here. I, Quinn favors Howden in a way that he favors no other player. It's just obvious from the playtime and, and who he's sat through, throughout his tenure so far in the one year we've seen David Quinn coach. So I think, I think part of it is Quinn is a coach who emphasizes effort, right? He needs you to put in the extra work. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that every time Brett Howden hits the ice, that guy works. He grinds. He does everything he you want him to do and you want to see him do in practice. And his effort is never in question. The problem with Howden and I want to toe this line carefully because one, he's still a young player and there's still room to grow. And I still think he has a role to play on the next successful Rangers team. So I, I don't want to come off as someone who's trying to bury Brett Howden just for the sake of trying to build up a Filipino. Filipino went to the AHL because the Rangers had lofty expectations for him and he didn't meet those expectations in training camp. That is not Brett Howden's fault that Filipino is in Hartford. It is really Filipino's fault that he didn't earn the role the Rangers wanted him to earn. And that's fine. Heedle's 20. He's got plenty of time to turn that around. I think he's going to look great in Hartford. I would be surprised if we don't see him before the end of October. But with Howden, it's almost like it's almost like all Howden has to do is show up sometimes. It seems that way where he just goes to practice and, and plays his hardest. Is like, I did good, coach. He's like, yeah, you did. You're fourth-line center. Lock it up. I mean, Howden yeah, was playing second-line center at some games last year. That happened. I, that was a real I thing. think and, – and it's it's not it's not just – like, the, the effort is so evident every time Howden's on the ice. It gets uh, Sam and Micheletti to say things that just aren't true about Howden's game. Most notably – Anytime anyone says Howden is a workhorse defender or anything of that nature, ignores the fact that Brett Howden might be the least defensively responsible forward the Rangers have. But at the same time, because it looks like Howden is always working, we have this positive opinion of his defensive prowess or 
just just the fact that he's constantly moving, we assume good things are happening. And that's simply not the case. I, I think Brett Howden was playing for a job in camp. I just think David Quinn and the coaching staff were looking for reasons to keep Howden as opposed to Heedle, who they, in a way, were looking for reasons to challenge him. Well, there's a reason Strom is the number two overall center. I guess we'll get to that in a second. But if Heedle performed, there's no way Strom is playing second-line center. It just never happened. No, and, and that that's evident by the fact that when camp opened, Strom was on a wing. When when camp – we didn't see Ryan Strom start playing center minutes until it became clear that Philip Heedle was underperforming. Strom was almost exclusively playing on a wing with Vlad Nemestikov on either the third or fourth line. And that's – that's fine. That was the role we all thought Strom was going to play. The Strom's also interesting, right? Because well, we have a lot to talk about with this, but yeah. I know. I know. And we're just getting started because Shane is going to bring up points we're not even thinking about. But with Strom, it's interesting because the, the popular thing, the people who don't like Rangers bloggers or podcasters on Twitter are just dying for all of us to pile on a player. And while I don't think Ryan Strom is anything great, I also don't necessarily think Strom is a net negative. I think Strom is painfully average, right? Yeah, like, well, uh, everyone's going to bring up the 22% your... shot rate, right? That's always going to be the topic when you talk Strom. Right, but even when Strom isn't scoring, it's not like he's actively doing things to make your team worse. I think our frustrations about Ryan Strom playing between Chris Kreider and uh, Praise Be Kako Kako. Kapo Kako. Kapo Kako. Praise Be. Whenever we wanted someone with upside playing between those guys. And I I personally, of the people the Rangers kept, I think it would be super intriguing to see Leas Anderson start the season between them. I don't think it's going to happen. But it, it just, it would fancy my interest a little bit. With Strom, it's just... I don't think he's going to do anything to enhance that line, and maybe he doesn't have to. Maybe Quinn, his whole reasoning for putting Strom in that position is just to not take away from what he considers two dynamic wingers. He just doesn't want a guy that could bring that line down at all. And I don't think with Strom, I don't think he'll bring down that line. Yep. I also don't think he's going to help elevate that line any way, shape, or form. He's going to be the very definition of a beneficiary passenger. And I, I guess that's fine, right? Like what well, the end game was. Kako's gonna improve his game, period. Which gets to my conspiracy theory in a second, which you know is coming, but keep going here. Well no, let's let's get into your getting Conspiracy, your conspiracy Ryan theory, coming. Where we go. The conspiracy Kapope is here, praise be all. Uh so last year we saw Jeff Gordon and uh David Quinn could conspire together to do something quite strange. Something that didn't make a lot of sense at the time. Something that you and I talked about a lot. That thing is putting putting Neil Pionk, expert winger, and first pairing defenseman on the first pairing defense. He proceeded to do this for, what, uh, 48 of the games? Something like that? I don't have the stat in front of me, but it was felt like a lot. Where he was showcasing Neil Pionk. What did he do with Neil Pionk? He traded Neil Pionk for the prophecy from Greg Kaplan, Jacob Truba. Now remember, you read, you read the slabs on the show two years before and said Jacob Truba will be a Ranger. Swelp Gordon heard what you said. He proceeded to showcase Neil Pionk 
to have Neil Pionk seem like a better player to other GMs who make maybe sometimes questionable decisions. He tricked the Jets. Now, what is he doing with Ryan Strom? Exactly that. He's making Strom a center, and centers, naturally, have more value. He's looking to get a higher return from Strom in the long run. And how do you do that? You put him next to the Lord and Savior himself, Capo Caco, and another trade piece that you're looking to pop the value of, Chris Kreider, and you're showcasing off, look, Strom's ability. He scored these goals last year. As soon as he came to us, he became a changed player. Look at what I can get, get, give you for just a second-round pick. Here is a freshly used Ryan Strom at center. And that's exactly what he's doing right now by elevating his stock. I know, you, I know what you're thinking. That's all bullshit, Ryan. But I believe it. I really do. I, just, I think Gorton is playing for the long haul, and every move he's made has signaled that. You feel better? Well, I always feel good. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, because here's the thing. Yeah. David Quinn doesn't give a fuck about Ryan Strom's trade value. David Quinn. David Quinn's part, part of the Illuminati. He's part of the Illuminati of the Rangers. He knows. He's no. playing for the cup. It's for the long no. haul. No. David Quinn is putting Ryan Strom between Cackle and Kreider because he feels like Strom gives that line the best best opportunity to succeed. Do you, l- Let me have a follow-up point. question. Do you think he's putting... Ryan Strom on the second line to hashtag play like a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. Ideally, I don't know if you saw the rest Yorker of the hashtags. Who is not going to be in New York forever. Did you see the rest of the hashtags? By the way, it was like hash- I got so distracted by the Rangers that I couldn't. It was like it hashtag Isles, hashtag Devils, hashtag. Oh, I play believe it like was hashtag NJ. Yeah, it's NJ Devils, and the Rangers play like a New Yorker. It's like 27 characters. It's amazing. People are hating on it already, but hey, you're talking about it. No such thing as bad publicity. No such thing. Uh, yeah, Quinn just doesn't give a shit about trade value. There's really no other way to paint that picture. He, the Strom is on that line because the Rangers feel that Strom is giving them the best ability to succeed, and it will not be that line forever. There's no way. We know Strom is going to start the year there. Strom will not end the year there. We'd both be surprised if Strom ends the year with the Rangers at all. I still think that is eventually Heedle's line one way or the other. I think we're going to see Anderson on that line a bit. Honestly, we're going to see Howden on that line. We might as well just get used to it now. When that happens, I'm not sure, but it will happen. Uh, yeah, the only reason Strom is there is because David Quinn on opening night thinks that's the best opportunity he has to succeed. And that's fine. I, at the end of the day, it's not even that we're necessarily angry Ryan Strom is centering that line. It's just, it's a little disappointing that outside of Leas Anderson, right now, we don't really have a better option. I guess Nemesnikov, you can make a case, is a better option. But the Rangers seem a lot more comfortable playing Nemestikov on a wing. Who am I to say otherwise? It's just, I don't know. It's a little disappointing. But it's, you know what you know what it is, Ryan? It's our favorite type of ne- time of year. Because it's, it's nitpick season. Well, we is, need something to complain season. about right now. I'm not complaining. I think this is exciting. I'm, stuff. I'm complaining. Oh, okay, I'm cool. complaining. Yeah. I, I think this is exciting to dissect the roster and be like, okay, what exactly is happening here? And, and are they playing these players for value? Are they playing because it's the best chance to win? Why did they sign Haley? Because, honestly, 
I guess we should get to the fourth line right now. Uh, to have an old school checking line. I, I mean, we have a Slack where we talk about hockey sometimes. And our good friend and prospect expert, Drew Way of the Blue Shirts Breakaway, nice little plug there, was talking about how that's pretty much what the Rangers are doing. They're having an old, old school checking line between Haley, McKeg, and Howden. And that that their their skill lines are the first three lines, and then they're having the ancient grit line, rather. So grit is what helped Haley make the team. I I think you said in a tweet many weeks ago, like if Haley makes this team, I will X. And I don't remember what it was, but you probably shouldn't bring it back up. But I don't understand. I, I don't know if you said it or not. Um, but I just don't understand why how he'd make the team really. But here we are. It feels. Just- I really don't. I I don't get it. And I I, I say this knowing. In practice today, Haley was skating as the extra skater, which is okay by me. Uh, if We've said this before, and we've said it about Cody McLeod. If the Rangers are just keeping Michael Haley around to be a good voice in the locker room and the doing. threat of someone that will replace you in the lineup if you face the wrath of the Quinbin, if, if Michael Haley plays in more than 25 games this year for the New York Rangers, I think something went terribly, terribly wrong. I, I, my whole problem with Michael Haley's existence, and at the end of the day, it's super minor. But it just are the Rangers expecting Boo Nieves to be something else? Is there something Boo does that they just don't care for or like? I'm pretty sure Boo Nieves is right now whatever he's going to be in the future, and I I think. This isn't meant to come off as insulting to Boo. I think what Boo is, is a fourth line forward who you should be comfortable putting in the press box more times than not. Like, is is Hartford significantly benefited by having Boo down there? I, I don't think he necessarily made, I, I don't think he hurts Hartford, obviously. I think he's a, a decent hockey player, but I don't think Hartford is significantly benefited by trying to pass Boo through waivers. I just, I don't understand why the Rangers would go out and give Boo the one-year extension like they did last year if they weren't just comfortable with him being the 13th forward. What what more do you need Boo to do? I it, it, it It's infuriating to think that the reason the Rangers wanted to keep Haley is because they... They want the presence of a bruiser on their roster. They want the veteran guy. Occurs. Like, there's 13 people under 26 on this team. That's Yeah, but in a, in a way, Boo, while being still pretty young, he's been around the block. He's played under multiple coaching regimes. I just, I don't know what else you need Boo Nieves to do for him just to be your 13th forward. I'd rather and have I, Boo here also. At the end, I mean, I just... At the end of the day... I just think at the end of the day, like Buniev is on even a, a fringe playoff team is probably a 13th forward. So if you're the New York Rangers and you're already paying Boo and you know that in order for you to have Boo on your team, I don't expect Boo to get claimed off waivers tomorrow at all. I just don't understand why you feel the need to sign Michael Haley in the first place when you already got Boo. Brandon Lemieux does a lot of different things for you. But one of them is provide that quote-unquote edge that the Rangers so desperately need or that people think the Rangers so desperately need. Tony D'Angelo, same thing. Those are two guys who are never going to back down from a fight if a fight were to happen. Honestly, Leas plays the same way. Leas doesn't give a shit who the fuck you are. He'll get in your face if Leas he, he, he not needs to get in your face. At all. 
He doesn't care. He's that's it. I just I don't know. Similarly to how, why I didn't understand Cody McLeod, like at least Haley provides some sort of offensive spark for your team in a nutshell. But I I do not understand. Was there the a desire. preseason game where Haley didn't fight somebody? No, not yeah. one that Haley played in. At least he fought everybody. It was unbelievable. All right. Um, I just I don't I I really with Haley it, it, again. It, it it's a minor thing. Because I do feel like McKeg is going to be in the lineup more times than not, as long as those guys are on the on this team together. So we're talking about a guy that hopefully plays less than 20 games for the New York Rangers this year. It's just super confusing why or it's like confusing, probably not the right word. It's curious that the New York Rangers feel like Booniev is is not a guy they can keep as a 30th forward. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I just want to give a quick shout out to Rick Carpinello, who I laughed at us when we said, well, what, what would have happened? Yeah, sorry, my brain just exploded. What happens when Greg McKegg makes the team? And he said, what do you mean, in the AHL? Who's laughing now, Rick? Okay, let's talk to, uh, let's talk to Shana. Well, let's do five-star questions first, which, I've, which there are two. One is blatantly a plug, and I'm just going to read it. Uh, it says, praise be, let's go Rangers. Easily, this is by BD Stever. Easily my favorite Rangers podcast. Okay, sucking up to us. I appreciate it. Love that so much. As a podcast host myself, I know, we're both losers. The first thing I listen to is audio quality and host chemistry. Greg, we've got both of those. You and I have fantastic chemistry. Oh, he actually literally writes, both are fantastic on this show. I love the banter. Now, see, this is where, I mean, I love the banter back and forth. Are you calling out another show? I can't decide who I agree more often with. Usually it's Greg when he mentions the Mets. And I'm out. Ha. Great show. Love it. Praise be. Brian from the Two Take Podcast. Or Take Two I'm Podcast. Confused. Was there a question in there somewhere? No. <laughs> then it's not really a five-star question. I guess so. All right, next one. Too many men. This is actually a question. It's, it's a very simple one. Five games in, and not too many men, uh, no too many men, on the pe- many men on the ice penalties. Are we excited? What is the over-under of games we see before we see our first too many men on the ice Penalty. Two? Two and a half? I'd put it at two and a half. I'd probably take the under. Me too. I think that's where we are. If you want to leave a five-star question for us, you can go to our iTunes account. Type in New York Rangers or Blue Shirts Breakaway. We will pop up. Leave a five-star question, and we will answer it on the show. Let's go over to our dear, dear friend, Shana Goldman of The Athletic, and uh, transition. Hey, we're back with our special guest of the week. We have Shana Goldman of The Athletic. She's a contributor of The Athletic. Shana, say hello. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Did we break the rules already? I'm sorry, I didn't say hello. No, it's okay. That's what Greg does all, every single week. I No, I don't even say hi. Uh, Shana, before we even get started, uh, Happy New Year. How are you celebrating? Thanks. Um, I'm here with you guys. Um, ah. I, had, I had dinner last night with my family, and tonight during dinner, did I draft a fantasy team and work on a different article? Maybe. <laughs> Do you, do you do you guys still do the apples and honey? I know in our in my household, I actually we weren't a big apples and honey household. We we don't do apples and honey. We do holla and honey. Usually it's oh. like you know you're going with um raisins in it. Like I think last night we had raisins. Tonight's poppy seeds, and then you just dip it in honey. Damn. I haven't felt this like right. since my dad left. Okay, let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the Rangers podcast. Where we talk all things Rangers, and. I guess there's a lot, been a lot of news today that happened. What surprised you the most, Shana, out of curiosity? Also, happy International Podcasting Day. Yeah, it's a big holiday. 
Yeah, holiday. big time holiday. Throwback to when we used to do that that segment that sucked. Keep going. Um. Okay. What surprised me the most? That's a good question. Um. Okay. What didn't surprise me was Craftsoft. I, I I really wasn't really I really wasn't surprised with Craftsoft because it kind of seemed like he might be better suited to start in Hartford for right now. Um. I think he should be on this team at some point this season. Like, there's absolutely no question in my mind. But if you give him a couple games there, especially when you look at the fact that the Rangers play three times in two weeks, um, not the worst idea. Um, I'm a little surprised they signed Michael Haley. Really? I'm a little surprised. Well, yes and no. I'm not surprised knowing that this was a team and general manager and coach that liked having Cody McLeod and that kind of player. But I thought if you have Lemieux, who's willing to fight, you have Brendan Smith, who it kind of felt like once he played forward, that was his way of making the team. And he didn't really look bad the last game, and he was fast, and he was skating. He looks like he's in, you know, it's best shape of your life season, and I think he might be in it. So I kind of got the vibe that he might be making it based on that. So you have Lemieux and Smith who are willing to fight. You have other players who will get into it too. So it's not like you need that on your team. But I honestly didn't think he was that effective. I don't think he was effective enough in the deterrent role because there, maybe it was the second game, I thought, if you're going to, if the time is going to be that you're going to step up and get into it, here it is. And he didn't do it. And I think that whole idea is stupid in the first place. But if you're going to do it, be good at it. And I don't think he was effective in like other respects either that I would look at it and go like, oh yeah, you just earned yourself a contract. But then again, it's Michael Haley and coaches like that. So it was like a surprised and not surprised kind of thing. Um, and the thing I know you want me to get to is Philip Petal going to Hartford. And I was a bit surprised about that just in the sense that you go from second line center to Hartford and I don't think he stood out in preseason or and he really could have and should have done more but I also think he should have gotten a longer look between Kako and Kreider you're getting him back to center you're getting him reacclimated to the position that he didn't play enough last year which is an issue in itself you know maybe had they had him play center post deadline instead of Ryan Strom play center when Kevin Hayes was traded it would be a little bit different but that wasn't the case. So you're asking him to shift there. He should have been more ready. He should have been better. But maybe you should have given him a little bit more leeway. And instead of the last two games and playing on the wing, he could have played center. And maybe you could have had him Kreider because I think if any player is going to help you with the transition, it would be Kreider. But back to the first point, really slow schedule in the first two weeks. So if he's not up by Halloween, I'm concerned. If he is up by then, who gives a shit? Are you is are you concerned? I still don't think is the word I would use when we're talking about crafts off no, by no. Halloween at Heedle, least. Heedle. Oh, Heedle? Heedle, um, I mean, if Heedle's not up by Halloween. I'm a little bit concerned because he should thrive there. There's no question. Like he should do everything in his power to prove himself that he should be giving them a reason from the first day. You know, you're going from second line center to Hartford. That's a drop. I I agree. I. I want Heedle to make the Rangers' decision-making process hard, right? I, I don't want it to be easy for the Rangers to keep him down there, but I, I at least, like if, if, if I was setting the most minimum bar, as long as Heedle is making the Rangers' lives difficult, then I think he's doing it well. I just, and we talked about this, and I'm sure you could chime in, the biggest hang-up is until the Rangers trade Strom, it seems as though Heedle is in direct competition with Brett Howden. And it does feel like we, we are probably off base 
in this assessment, but it sure does feel like Brett Howden plays by a different set of rules than Leah Sanderson and Philip I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think if you're going to talk, if you're going to talk shit about anything David Quinton has done since he became coach, I would say Heedle and Howden are the two that bug me the most. Um, and that's over McLeod playing. That's over anything with Buchnevich because there were some rights and some wrongs. Um, I agree with how he handled a lot of the D'Angelo situation in the second half of the season. You could talk about Pionk and the usage. And I think that was wrong, but I also look at the defense as being a mess. I think the biggest screw-ups were Heedle and Howden because I think you look at two guys that Heedle was doing everything right and he would still get demoted. And there were games that he would get demoted after that I didn't understand because it was, here's a player that's playing fourth line minutes or bottom six minutes, and he's up at the top of the ranks with Kreider in scoring chances, high danger attempts, shot attempts. He's getting the puck to the neck. He's getting the puck to the right area. He's getting himself to the right area. He's doing something right, but he wasn't finishing. Once he scored, the goals kept coming for a couple games there, and you kind of knew it was going to happen. And then there was a lot of moving around after that, and I didn't think he should have been moving nearly as often. I didn't think it was second line or fourth line. And on the flip side, you have Howden, who got off to the better start and then hit a wall. And at a certain point, you have to look at it and go, he can play through it, sure. But you also have to go, we need to do what's right for him. And maybe it's not playing through it. And obviously, you handle it differently with every player. I think Quinn understands that better than anyone else. But I think it should have been handled differently without him because he was struggling that much for a handful of games there. And then he was injured. He came back and he was better. But at any point, they could have pulled him from a game. You could have shifted him to wing. They had Anderson when they brought him up too. So you could have gone out on the wing to Anderson. You know, there was less room for Heedle and Anderson to play center because they were so intent on keeping Howden there. So I think they kind of like created a problem for themselves last year. And I think this year we're going to see that continue in a way, or it's going to be something that's a point of contention for all of us. But I don't know if we should necessarily be grading the two of them on the same scale. I think if you grade Anderson and Howden on the same scale, it's a little bit better because that's two bottom six centers who in theory are very good two-way players and you can trust them defensively and you can throw them on the penalty kill. The skill set's different for Heedle. The ceiling's different for Heedle and you want his role to be different. I think you're right on the competition with Strom. I do think that this is a great chance to up his trade value when you say, oh, he's playing second line minutes. And look, that 22% shooting percentage, that wasn't a fluke. He's actually good. You're going to want him on your team and we'll do it for 50% salary retention. Like you just set yourself up for success right there because you can get something in return, even if it's draft picks and prospects or a depth player, whatever it may be. But um, I don't think Howard and Heedle should be like directly compared. Because I wouldn't want to see Heedle play on the fourth line, especially now if it's going to be Haley on his wing. We'd be screaming louder about that than we would of him playing with Kratsoff for maybe two weeks. So I'm not worried about that right now. But I think it kind of speaks to how they view Howden, and maybe they don't think he has that high of a ceiling. Maybe they've accepted, you know what? He's a bottom six center. He'll play on the fourth line here. Who cares? We don't need him to play top six minutes in Hartford because we don't think he's a top six player here. So if he gets third line minutes over Anderson I'm not thrilled especially after everything from preseason I think Anderson earned it over him but I don't know if it like him playing over Heedle on the fourth line is something that I'm necessarily like annoyed about I guess my question for follow-up there uh, Shayna is 
Do you think Heedle, maybe his outcome is a little different if he's not thrown around so much in the lineup? I guess that's sort of what you were implying, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think, I think you're asking a lot for him last year to go center to wing, center to wing. And then when he was playing center, he didn't have very good winners. If he was playing wing, he was in the top six or the middle six, you know, like it was a big difference. So I think you're asking a lot of a rookie to learn, especially in the year that everyone was still learning Quinn systems and learning what they were doing for the power play. Like everything was different. So it's not like he's joining this team that's perfectly comfortable with every single part of the system either. You know, he had to learn it with them, plus acclimate to the NHL, right. plus take a next step forward, plus switch back and forth between positions. Like, it was a lot. It's kind of like the same that we look at Anderson the year before. Like, he was all over the place in his first year after being drafted, and you have to, like, give him a break because of that. Yeah, I would. I, I just wish there was more uh, more of a solid role for Heedle. Where, like, he stayed with Kreider, like you said. I think that might have been a turning point for him. But I guess we'll see what he can do in the AHL. Yeah. And if he if he can't in the AHL, after we already see him do it in the AHL, and he was doing it as one of the youngest players in the league and so on and so forth, on a god-awful team with a mess of a coaching staff, you know, it spoke to his abilities and to power through it. And he was great. And then you could put him at the NHL level and feel comfortable. But if he can't now, like, you have a problem. And... Maybe we could compare it a little bit to, I mean, there, there there could be things we don't know about his off-season training, so on and so forth. You hear a lot about Anderson's off-season training and how he lost weight and how he looks so much stronger and everything about him, like, it's clicking now. Um, you could think of, like, Kevin Hayes' second season, and it kind of seemed like the preparation wasn't there as much as they wanted. It showed he didn't get the role that everyone anticipated him to after his rookie season because of that, and... I'm not saying that's the case with Heedle, but maybe they feel that way. Maybe they thought he would be in much better shape or much more ready or something. But now they're going, we got to do something. Well, I, just on that point, we were getting fed all the Heedle offseason storylines because he was he was with Prentice in Connecticut. I know, I know for a fact the Rangers posted multiple Heedle and Hayek. Look at these Czech kids working out in Connecticut getting ready for the season tapes. So I, I don't think it was a lack of trying on Heedle's part. I, at the end of the day, I think it's just Heedle was given a golden opportunity, and it's an opportunity we talked about on this podcast. And we thought he was the presumptive second-line center, and maybe he thought he was the presumptive second-line center. So maybe he eased off the pedal a little bit in camp. At the end of the day, Philip Heedle didn't have a good training camp. It, it, we're not having this conversation because Heedle knocked the doors down and still got sent down, right? We're having right. this conversation totally. because whatever whatever Heedle did, it wasn't enough. And all of us saw that it wasn't enough. It wasn't just David Quinn in practice telling us it wasn't enough. When Heedle played in the preseason games, he was usually on a line with guys that we would have expected to be on the Rangers opening night roster. And for lack of a better, ter- better word, he was hard to notice in these preseason games. So maybe it's maybe part of it is the Rangers are trying to get his mojo back. They know he's had success in Hartford. They know he's, they know Kravtsov is going to be hungry. I don't think that kid has an off switch. So if you put Kravtsov on Heedle's wing and he's playing against guys that are either young guys looking to make it in the NHL as well, or quad a players in the form of someone like Phil DiGiuseppe and Vinny Letary, there's no reason for Heedle to struggle in Hartford. So the Rangers, in essence, while not being in New York, 
this is the best opportunity Filipino is going to have. And he's got to make the Rangers' life difficult. So it's going to be interesting. I, 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 I'm not angry he went to Hartford. I, I, the Howden stuff still confuses me a little bit. But Filipino still has a golden opportunity. And I, I don't think that's changed. And I, I think that's an agreement the three of us are having as well. Yeah. What do yeah. you? And I, oh, God. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. After you, please. You're the guest. Uh, I think what'll be interesting, too, is like you mentioned, like he could develop great chemistry with Kraftsoff. And I think a lot of us were expecting it would be Leah Anderson on the third line and Kraftsoff could play maybe on his wing or he could push it. And then you didn't know what would happen with Butch. And like we were all having these conversations before Buchanovich was confirmed as the first line winger. Um, what could be interesting, too, is let's say they figure out something to do with Strom or maybe they just feel that they can move him down the lineup. If Hedl gets a call up and he's great with Kraftsoff, maybe that's like an answer too. And that's your third line. Maybe Leah Sanderson's the guy that can slide up to um, Kreider and Kako. Like you really never know. And you could throw in a Mesnikov and have a skilled third line and it won't be that shutdown line. Or better yet, you could go the fourth line of Foss, Nemesnikov, and Howden, and that's your shutdown fourth line. Then maybe you could go Strom or Lemieux with um, Heedle and Kraftsoff, and that becomes your third line like long term. It's not, it's not going to be like an insult for him, I think, if he's on the third line, if it's a skilled third line, as long as he's playing center. If you're putting him on the third line when he makes it to the NHL level, it better be at center. If he's in the top six and it's on the wing, I don't think anyone here will be complaining because he's in the top six. So... That's kind of like my thought on that. You're preaching to me right now. This is pretty much what I was saying earlier. <laughs> I'm all about what you're, you're going for. I guess I want to change topics a little bit um, to a man who's very handsome and Henrik Lundqvist. And sort of I wanted to ask you what you expect out of Henrik this season. Because it's something I've been thinking about. Do you expect him to see to play like more than 47 games this year? Or are we going to try and see a timeshare? Is it possible we see a three goalie rotation at some points? Uh, what should we expect from that? So, nice that you brought this up. I will have a full story on this. Oh! Um, <laughs> um, I'm talking to Kat Silverman about it now. and okay. she's giving I me... wanted to say something brief. You're going, I had no inside information on this. Like, none. No, this... yeah. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I think, did I tell you I was working on the Broussard one, I think? The Broussard one you did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but th- so this one I'm going with, um, hopefully Wednesday, unless I don't finish in time, which, you know. But, um, so, I don't want to give too much away but I think that you'll see Hank start the majority you know he'll have the edge on the other two with the majority he looks you know he looked great he looked very sharp when you saw him in preseason I feel like historically we see Hank struggle in preseason and it's like oh he's a slow starter oh this and that and then of course people come out and say oh he's trashed he's gone this year so I think getting Kako and getting Panarin getting Truba was like so refreshing to him that he's coming to a team and he sees how much they're trying and you know he's great with his offseason training and adjusting his game for the team in front of him and he's had to make a lot of adjustments for a team that is not good and then deal with the adjustments of aging and his reaction time changing you see his stance change where he's holding his glove so I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more of that this season too so he can keep the majority of the starts I don't expect him to hit 60 starts I think that's at this point with the league trending towards shared nets and with his aging in mind and with in mind that they have capable backups that we're not going to see that. And I don't think that's a knock to him. I think it's just a better way to go about it this year, especially if you see that you might make the playoffs because he is your starter in the playoffs. There's no questions there at this point. And maybe that'll change. But if you see that 
maybe there's a chance in the playoffs, you need him to be ready and be sharp, which means lay off the starts a little bit more, you know? Absolutely no back-to-backs. And if you can give him that extra night off once or twice a week and it can be someone else, that's great. Georgiev, I think, you know, has proven he can be a capable backup. I think that there's more that he's going to work with with Benoit Lair this year. And really, I don't have any questions in the Rangers' net because of Benoit Lair. And I think he knows how to handle his goaltenders. And we've already seen him work with Georgiev to refine his game. I won't be surprised. And honestly, I might even be a little bit disappointed if Shostorkin doesn't get a shot at the NHL level this year. And maybe it's because of injuries. Maybe it's just that they decide if Hank is starting a lot of games, put Georgiev down in Hartford for a week and let him start a, you know, a handful of games to keep himself as sharp as possible. It's not the worst idea. And they did it a bit last year. And then have Shostorkin come up and maybe be the backup for one game or maybe start one game. And if they could get him like, you know, maybe five games or 10 games this year, it would be definitely interesting. And maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe he struggles because he's going behind a team that's not great defensively and not great in general, which he isn't accustomed to. And obviously you have different uh, mentalities when you're looking at KHL skaters, uh, NHL and AHL skaters. So that's something he'll have to get used to as well. So if he doesn't play much this year, I won't be surprised. But if he doesn't play at all at the NHL level, I'll be a little bit disappointed because I definitely want to see him get a couple games just to see how he does. Maybe he plays part of the game. Maybe it's a game against a team that everyone anticipates to be bad. Like they go, oh, we're playing the Ottawa Senators. Here's a start for Shestark and just to see what happens. I think that's that might be an interesting way to go about it. Yeah, in my in my head, for some reason, I, I just all year long, I figured Hank was going to play about 55% of the games. George F was going to play about 35% of the games. And Igor was going to play about ten percent of the I games. Like that. I like that. Uh, I like that. Yeah, it just it felt like the right split. Will it happen? I don't fucking know. I'm just the guy with a microphone that says shit on a weekly basis. Um, Shane, there are two more points I want to definitely talk with you. The the first, I I feel like we'd be doing it a disservice if we didn't talk a little bit about the defense, even though the defense basically, in my mind at least, went according to plan. I don't think there was any scenario where Truba and Shea wasn't going to be the top pairing. I don't think there was any scenario where Stahl and D'Angelo, after we saw some signs of success last year from those two, was going to be the second pairing. Is it is it relief you feel? Is it anything you feel at all about the fact that Hayek and Fox are going to open the season as third pairing? Hmm. Good question. Um, Thank you. I thought so good much. Question. Great. Good question. <laughs> yeah. Very nice job. Um, let's see. I think that Hayek was kind of the favorite to get that spot. And I think it's kind of interesting that he would be the favorite at this point because I don't know I don't know if they necessarily have seen enough of him at his best to go, okay, you're a lock for the NHL roster. Because let's face it, he was great before the Rangers traded for him. He came to Hartford and he was really bad. And you even account for the fact that Hartford was a train wreck, and we all know it was. We all know they had their defensive issues because they, too, followed the same systems that the Rangers had over the years. So they also had to get away from that, and they didn't have the best coaching staff in place. Um, When he came to the NHL level, he obviously played a lot better in a very small sample, but he played a lot better to make them think, okay, cool. You know, he's going to be something. Maybe that wasn't the most indicative of him. We have to take context into account, and we're not going to jump yet but I don't know if it was enough for me to be like, yep, he's making the NHL roster. But it kind of felt that way, especially since the Shattenkirk buyout. Like, who else is going to do it? Because it really seemed like 
all signs were pointing to Brendan Smith not making the team. I think having Brendan Smith around as an option is a good thing in some ways. I mean, obviously the cost sucks. Nothing worked out. We all know it. But to have the insurance if you need it is definitely helpful. I haven't really had any problems with, you know, Hayek. I think in preseason they definitely had some defensive issues. I think it was that game against Philly. And, yes, it was an NHL-level roster against a very mixed AHL roster. You could say not one. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, they had not a lot. But that, for the most part, it was the defense you expected to play. And they were letting so many odd man rushes against that you look at it and go, maybe maybe this could be a problem with this defense. Maybe something's going to have to change. But, like, it's too soon to jump at it, obviously. But there wasn't as much competition for that spot besides Hayek for a left-handed defenseman, which is why if I were the Rangers, which I'm obviously not, obviously not, I, you know, we, they know things and have reasons for what they do. I would have kept Frederick Clayson. I would have given him his, his qualifying offer. And even if he's your seventh defenseman all year and you never use him, whatever, he's not going to make much money because I think that was a good option to have that play the left or the right side. And if Hayek wasn't ready, you had that there. And I don't think they have enough insurance without having someone like that besides Brendan Smith, which, you know, midway through the summer, no one knew if they'd be able to fit his cap hit at the NHL level anyway. So I have, I like that they're going with the young rookie, uh, like the two rookie defensemen together. I think that's a nice twist that we don't often see teams go with because they don't trust their young players. And I think they feel very confident about Adam Fox's abilities and through Traverse City, through training camp, through preseason and everything he's done to this point, I get why. So it's not like it's two guys that you're holding your breath about both. And I think that, you know, if they need, they can send Hyatt back there. Now that they have Gordon Murphy working in Hartford, who has a reputation for working with young defensemen, you know, you have someone right there if you need it. If he struggles, there's an option that you don't have to be holding your breath for. Like it was every year that you were sending a player Hartford. It's like, is this best for their development? Are we shooting ourselves in the foot? And that really isn't going to be the case now. Yeah, because – Think think about it before training camp started. The, the main guys we would have thought were competing with Hayek. Rykov got injured in Traverse City and basically didn't play this entire training camp. Ryan Lindgren at periods looked good, but I, I, I think Lindgren just had a higher mountain to climb than Hayek did. I think his, his – I mean, for lack of a better term, I do believe Lindgren's game is a little bit more limited than what Lieber Hayek can give you. So why not try it with – the kid with a little bit more upside to start the season, knowing that you have a fail safe in Hartford in the form of Ryan Lindgren. I, I was, I don't want to use the word relieved when it comes to the Rangers skating the six guys they skate because these six still include Mark Stahl, who I get is a great locker room guy, who I get is essentially this team's captain until they decide to name Mika Zibanejad captain. I understand all that. It doesn't mean Mark Stahl is any better defensively because he's a great guy in the locker room. He's not. Um, I just, I think it's interesting. The kids will get the third spot going and off the defense. My last question, the best part about rosters getting trimmed before the season starts are seeing the names that pop up on waivers. I know where Josh Hosang stands out. Daniel Sprong stood out to me. I understand the Rangers don't have any cap space whatsoever to work with, but we live in a world now where the Rangers are paying Michael Haley, $700,000 a year. There's 
Shane, I, I, I know there's guys on waivers you'd rather see the Rangers take a risk on, or basically any team that has a need take a risk on. Yeah. Yeah, he who can you, say that. Who you got? Um, all right. I am slightly biased here, but I think a team should take swing on Josh Hosang. And huh? I'd like, part of me wants it to be the Islanders in the sense that, and keep in mind, I have, you know, I write about them too now. So I have grown to appreciate them differently than, um, you know, growing up and things like that. And you watch the players they have and think, this is what they need, a playmaker for their third line or their second line. And you could do all these things with their forward group if you just play Josh Hosang. And it's not like I'm asking for a lot, but apparently it's not going to happen because I want to see Josh Hosang play with Derek Broussard this season. Sorry, sorry all Ranger fans, but I really did. So I don't think it's going to happen with the Islanders. I think it was encouraging everything Barry Trott said, you know, about him last year. And I thought maybe he'd have a shot, but apparently not. So that brings us to other teams. And I want to see him get a shot. I want to see, it's not that I want to see him burn the Islanders. When young players like Duclairs and Buchnevich's and Jesse Pugliarvi and all of that, when they don't get the opportunities that I think that they deserve or that we all collectively think that we, you know, they deserve, you want to see them go somewhere that will appreciate them. Like how Nino went from the Islanders who didn't appreciate him to Minnesota, who stopped appreciating him to Carolina, who loves him and look at all the good things he's doing. Hosang's one of those players. I want to see him go somewhere and thrive. And I want, I want it that these players who get written off so quickly and it's usually by hockey men, and you know, that same traditional view are proved wrong because these are players that have upside. And yes, you have to work with an offensive player on their defense, on their, you know, on their defensive game. But here's the thing. You can teach defense. You can't teach offense like that. You have it or you don't. And he has it. So any team willing to take a swing on him, I think would be great. If it were the Rangers, that'd be great because I could keep watching him. And I'd really like that. But I think Sprung, too, was someone that, Everyone kind of thought would be doing, you know, more than what he has. And maybe he'd play with Crosby. Maybe he'd be the next Jake Gensel. Obviously, his stock has fallen. And Anaheim had openings in their lineup. So you would have thought he would have gotten more of a chance there. It didn't work out. So if the Rangers were to take a shot on him, I think that would be cool, too. When he was available last year, you know, it was like, oh, go for it. Definitely go for that kind of player. You're a rebuilding team. Go for the depth. That's a young skill guy. So either of them are, you know, good options. But my bias says Josh Osang oversprung for right now. I'm going to be livid if the Devils sign Josh Hosang. Absolutely so through the roof happening. livid. They're smart now. They they're hired really smart. Like they're smart. They know what they're doing. And yeah. I could also see. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I listed five teams today that I could see Hosang going to, and all of them would piss me off. The Devils were chief among them. Blue Jackets make a lot of sense because they're yeah. still – I understand they signed Gustav Nyquist, but that's a team that's still trying to recoup any kind of playmaking that Panarin brought and now took away from them last year. The Sharks, they feel like a team that would do something really smart, like bringing in Hosang. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning sure feels like a smart move they would make. And you look at a team like the Avalanche, right? They just signed Miko Ratten into a big deal. This is a team where all of us agreed – their top line was maybe the best top line in hockey. Their second line was promising as well, but that was a team that just did not have a bottom six. So all of a sudden you put Josh Hosang on a cheap, manageable deal in that team's middle six, and you're extending the depth of the Colorado Avalanche, a team that stunned most of us last year. And it, it, it makes so much sense 
that I feel like their front office should give me a slice of whatever the commission is on Hosang's contract because I'm giving them free success. I think they addressed their depth though really well this offseason from Burakovsky to Donskoy that I'm not even sure they need it. But it's it's I, I see what makes sense. San Jose probably has the room. I mean, they don't they're not signing Marlowe, which surprised everyone. And you know, it's gonna mean bigger roles for players like Hurdle and LeBanc and all of that, which I think is great. And maybe they do have the room. And um and they did lose Donskoy and Haley. That's two players that they lost this offseason to that their bottom six, you know, could probably use and Tampa Bay, they always seem to find young players and make the best of any situation. So I don't think that they actually have the roster room right now, but like if they somehow found it because it's Tampa Bay, they find cap space, they find roster room, they find everything. So be it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to like Carolina take a chance on it too, because like they also have smart people and they understand how to find value in inexpensive pieces and how to maximize that value better than most teams do. You know, you see them go after guys like, you know, Niederreiter who maybe teams wouldn't have gone for because he was playing fourth line minutes and his production wasn't so good. I think that they'd be an interesting option too, but I could totally see the devils doing it because, you know, they kind of went for the players that nobody, nobody would, I don't want to say nobody would want, but nobody wanted, you know, you have PK Subban and nobody wants to pay his full contract. And for the price that they got him, it's crazy that more teams weren't jumping all over that, even with the cap hit. You have Nikita Gusev that everyone was so reluctant to take a chance on because he's from the KHL and you never know what's going to happen and all of that because teams are so afraid of trying things that are new and different. And uh, they could probably use it. They could probably use the extra forward in their bottom six. Like, why not give it a shot? Yeah, Carolina's been doing this thing all offseason where they just get really good players and then worry about the fit later. So it would not shock me at all if they just, I don't know, continue doing that. Yeah, that's how you should be doing it. You should be trying to accumulate all of your good players, and it's a great problem to have. Like, oh, you have too many defensemen? That's great. You'll trade them for something. That's how they ended up with, you know, certain players because they find market inefficiencies, and they're like, you know what? We'll just take the player. Figure it out later. Like, that's how you should be doing it. You shouldn't be thinking, well, we need only this position. If you're that tight against the uh, cap, I guess I understand. But even still, you can make multiple moves. You can do whatever you need to to get better somehow. And when you look at the Islanders, who are just going to let a guy like Josh Hosang leave for nothing, if that's the case, or you know, send him back to Bridgeport, it's kind of like you're the team that should be trying to acquire as much skill as possible because you should have had one goal when the offseason started, and that was add skill to your roster. And you added a goalie, didn't keep the goal you had, got rid of him for Varlamov, which... Did he win you know, anything last year? No, he might have won something. Oh, hmm. hmm. I get, I get the hesitancy to go long term with him, but I, I don't agree with everything that you know along the way with that. But the only forward you're really adding is Broussard into the mix, and you needed scoring and you need skill, and you have a lot of fourth line caliber players, and they're going to have to play higher because there's only that much space. You should be trying to get all the skill that you can and figure it out later, and I don't think they've done that so. You know, look, the 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 real winner here, Josh Hosang. You know how fucking terrible Bridgeport is. It's fucking there, awful. He yeah, could. It's, you know how many I'd rather... they go? Oh, why would we take a chance on that? We've heard about his reputation. Oh, the Islanders didn't want to use him. And it was more than one general manager and more than one head coach that didn't want him. Why would we take the chance on it? Like, that's the attitude you hear around the league all the time. 
Oh God. If he ends up back in Bridgeport, I'm so sorry, Josh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Shana, I appreciate you giving us some time tonight. Why don't you plug, uh, you know, we talk to you so often, you know, Greg and I, we always, we're always chit-chatting. It feels like we're coworkers, but why don't you plug all the stuff you do? Okay. Um, I write things. Oh, nice. I, what do you write? Yeah. yeah. Um, I write about this sport called hockey. Okay. We play it on ice. That's with know. the ball, right? Um, yeah, I think it's called a ball. Maybe it has like a weird name, like a shuttlecock or something. Part four, baby. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can follow Shane on the athletics. Hey, Shane on, on Twitter. Excellent follow. Analytics person for the Rangers. And uh, Shane, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. Hey, we're back. Shana, a great guest as always. Um, I guess this is the podcast where Greg's going to shit on Kevin Hayes. Yeah, they're going to shit on Kevin Hayes. Well, here's the thing, right? Yep. It's, 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 I hate when people say it, but it's the truth. It's just free real estate in Kevin Hayes' head at this point, right? I love no free one, real estate in people's heads. But like the, the Rangers aren't playing the Flyers this week. I understand we're in the same division, but yep. It's it's just who's who is still in the Philadelphia media media asking Kevin Hayes about the Rangers? Who gives a shit? We moved on in February. We're good. We got a first round pick, which we gave back to the Jets for Jacob Truba, and the Jets were kind enough to also take Neil Pionk off our hands. Thank you. Kevin Hayes Thank you. served his purpose with the New York Rangers. We are good. No one is thinking or worrying about Kevin Hayes anymore in Rangerland, even with all the issues that we have down the middle which we spent a literal hour talking about on this podcast, you, me, Shana, everybody, we're, we're still good. I spent this entire week, like I do every other week, not thinking about fucking Kevin Hayes. And then Kevin Hayes goes, I want, I'm not thinking about the Rangers. I don't want anything to do with the Rangers. Well, the Rangers are the Kevin first thing Hayes out of my mind. by Gregory here. Well, that's because I don't have any weed on me, Ryan. I can't be high. I can't be like <laughs> medicinal, medicinal, medicinal. He's got glaucoma, guys. It's fine. It's legal in Jersey. He's good. He just needs to go over the border. That's say <laughs> breaking news: Philadelphia, not New Jersey, <laughs> not in Jersey, but it's right across the border. I don't know, man. It's just like grow the fuck up, Kevin. You know, you know what, dude? You're you're the guy. You chase the bag, and I respect the shit out of you for chasing the bag. Get your money. Oh, we'll man. never criticize a player for getting his money. At the same time, you're the fucking moron that signed a deal with the team that gave Elaine Vigneault five years. And you went through the Elaine Vigneault era, and it was unfriendly to you. What are you doing? You're not thinking about the Rangers? Bro, figure your own shit out first. All right? Fuck off. I think now is the that, time. That's all. That's all. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, now is the time to say, you know, you said you got your money, you got your bag. It's time yeah. to, you know, talk about something about us. Maybe. And that's to talk about how we're going to change over the next coming weeks. We're not going to reveal it now, but uh, Greg and I have worked on, or I, how do I phrase this correctly? We got a certain offer that we are looking to accept rather soon. We will be making the announcement on our Twitter accounts probably later this week, as maybe as soon as this podcast comes out, and we will be talking about it. Uh, there will be changes to come. They won't be too crazy. This show will be exactly the same if you listen to it every Tuesday. There will not be anything changing except for maybe some ads that will be provided to us. So most most of the change, guys, is on our end in the terms of we're going to be doing more work, um, which is going to be great for you. It's it's going to 
It's going to fracture Ryan and my relationship just a little bit more than it already is, but that's fine. We work better like Mike and the Mad Dog when we don't really like each other that much. I like Greg great. for the record. I want to let everyone know. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it not nothing nothing physical is changing on here. Sadly, if the changes go into effect like we expect them to, uh, we, we'll tell you. I mean, we've told our Patreon subscribers, but we'll tell you now. All it means is overtime breakaways going away, sadly. In, in our Patreon. And so are our, our bonus, podcast. Bonus, bonus podcast. Yep. Basically, any audio we do is going to be condensed into one place, it, which is exciting and great for us. We, uh, we got our own bag, and we're happy about it. But for you at home, nothing's changing. I'm still going to cuss like a sailor. I, I might not be able to say, like, some words anymore. Specifically, cunt. That's a word that's going to go away. <laughs> Greg, I guess you're just getting... You're <laughs> this getting, is it, man. Getting, this is it. You're getting it out now. I'm getting it out, all okay. right? I can't say it yeah. moving forward. This is the last time you will hear that word on Bushwitch Breakaway. Cunt. I feel better already. <laughs> For, okay. Um that well, word's going away, but and, and Greg the, and I, yeah. you know, and Greg's gonna. I want to say you know, something else. Greg will do. Greg will stop tweeting about the Mets as much. It'll be less. Fuck no. It'll be less. Wait, really? It'll be less. To you Met, think I'm, less Mets talk no. about on the podcast? So that's good. We've cut the Mets talk. I know. Like in half. More than that. Since even a year ago. Yeah. But like, for example, I'm not gonna bring a beat writer on from the Cleveland Plain Dealer to talk about the next Mets manager next that, year that happened like that that did happen that won't happen most of all you guys don't need to hear about i know everything about carlos beltran and joe McEwing, the two guys that are going to be in the running for the mets job you're good i'll do it myself but yes um the met analogies aren't going away if you think i'm tweeting less about the mets are you fucking insane uh no as, I, as soon as i, I just like as to soon make as fun the mets of, stop i just like to make fun of you for it because we literally run you have your own twitter we you run the blue shirts breakaway ranger account and half no. the tweets are like, "What are Pete Alonso? What is Mickey doing?" And I'm like, "All right, well, this is our official podcast account." Too. I can't remember the last time I tweet. I've I've actually thought about just like scrubbing my entire Twitter account because I don't even know what's on there anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's some good stuff. <laughs> probably. You should probably del- you should probably probably. scrub your old one. Let's put it that way. Like your my personal account. yes, your personal account yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you should probably do that. Well, I I think it's important to do this. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do it going forward. I'm unsure what? about this, but I think it's important to do it. I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. Oh yeah. Well, no, they said ninety percent. We'll, we'll s- squeeze ten percent in. We'll see. Uh, that's I don't think that's how that math works. But I want to thank Mad Dog, Tori from Manhattan, the serious OG, Thomas O'Neill. Eric Stagg, who's literally my guy, and I, I totally drunk texted over the weekend. Mike Smith, Ben Weber, Billy Huff, and of course, Ben Waters. And how could I forget the two most important people, Sean Taggart, and of course, Johnny Thundercock. I don't know if we'll be able to thank him. I don't know if we'll be able to thank you, Johnny. But let us know. Um, so we'll, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but we might. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll be redoing some of the Patreon bonuses to make sure that we keep you happy if you still support us, if you'd like to support us. we Honestly, we wouldn't have gotten to where we are now without you. So we want to make you happy. We're going to still do merch and stickers and going to think of some new fun stuff for you guys. So we're always inventing and 
We've got uh, oh, a couple more housekeeping things. I guess we'll just get this out of the way. New merch line for Church of Chicago comes out on Thursday. Greg and I and our two good friends from Church of Chicago, Nick DiPaolo and Bob Kawa, will be at the game on Thursday. If you want to say hello, it'll be very easy to find me. I'll be the guy in the Capope outfit. Greg, and Greg will be next to me, and so will our two friends. And if you're wondering about the mass, well, because of some things that have happened, we won't be doing a full-scale uh, mass like I wanted to. We we're going to try and plan that later in the year. I have a date in mind and an idea for it. Um, but we'll get details on that. But we will be outside to MSG, uh, hopefully hanging out, handing out cards. And I'll be – I have a – I bought a mini uh, megaphone today for this event, which I will throw out before I go inside. And uh, we'll be we'll be preaching the good word outside. So come by, by, say hello, take a picture, and hang out with us. And then that's about it. I missed anything there, Greg? I don't believe you did. Okay. I'm Ray DeCock. My name is Ryan Mead. I'm here with Greg Kaplan of the – bye.